Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Let me turn your attention today to the book of John, the sixth chapter, the sixth chapter. We're going to read verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to read verses 66 through 69. Verse 11 very familiar portion of scripture here, but bear with me because we don't often get to the end of this story and it takes an awkward turn. <laughs> Jesus took the loaves. There it is, some of you. That's all we had to read for some of you. I know this story, I know this story. And when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. Jesus has a tendency to do that. He will bless and he will multiply and then he'll put it in the hands of believers to do the distributing. That's why he trusts you when you go to work and you go by the way. He, he trusts you to be able to distribute the multiplied blessings. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would when they were filled. He said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. That nothing be lost. All right, everybody, if you remember that story, just give me a little wave. You've, you've read that story somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah, or you've heard it at least. Now, now let's go to the part of the, the story it's really the concluding part of the same story that we don't read much about. Go all the way over to verse 66. It seems odd to be framed into the context of the same miracle, but it is. It just doesn't preach as fun. <laughs> From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Well, that's depressing. Don't read that. Well, it's in the Bible. We have to. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Sometimes when we think of disciples, we only think of the twelve, but there had been a great ingathering of disciples and followers, and they were all following when the miracle was being done. But Jesus begins teaching them between the miracle. And this moment, and, and really it's what happens between the miracle and the moment of choosing between the temporal and the eternal that you decide whether you really are going to be a follower. He asks the 12, will ye also go away? From chapter 6 and verse 68 is where I'm going to draw my assignment from today. It was from Simon Peter's answer. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words 
of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. From 68, I will preach this thought. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Lord Jesus, we honor you in this house. We're thankful for Sister Gallion and this incredible team that has led us with such excellence in our time of worship. These musicians, these praise singers, this incredible sound and media team, all those that have worked together in harmony, bringing us to this moment where we have read your word aloud. The word that we know changes not just lives, but changes eternities. And we pray that your work would be accomplished in this room here today. Help me somehow that I would preach with wisdom and clarity that your people would be blessed. This divine moment with God's house and God's, God's people together, just it's a moment that you've given us, God, and, and we don't want to miss it. Somebody pray that with me. God, we don't want to miss this. Help us not to miss this. Somebody pray that. Help us not to miss this. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. To whom, to whom shall I go? Turn to your neighbor and give them a best smile. Just, just smile real, real big. Show them every tooth you own legally and just, just, just tell them, come on, whether you brush your teeth after coffee or not, just, just, just ask them a question. Say, to whom shall I go? Brother Denny, this is the question, to who? To whom shall we go? Who is it that I would go to? Who, who is it that we would go to? This is, this is Peter's question in this moment. To whom shall we go? And he speaks with conviction. Not in front of the masses, but in front of the twelve. For the masses have gone away. And it is critical for every believer. Please hear me clearly at the very beginning of this moment. From the youngest. From those that are in biblical studies. That are a part of our college. To those that are the eldest among us. What you say among the masses should still be what you are saying among the few. And vice versa, let it be so that if he is your God amongst the masses of your church, he should be your God amongst the few that you gather with. Let it be true that you are a follower in the good times, but let it be true that you are a follower in the bad times. Christ is going to teach something that goes on pretty awkward in John chapter 6. It's going to be an awkward message. Now, lest I be in fear of God chastising me for the way I say that, I want to tell you it's awkward for flesh, not for God. But unfortunately, we often try to make a supernatural God fit in our logical, finite thinking. And he's trying to teach us and lead us and direct us. So my launching pad would actually be from Matthew chapter 4. It is here at the start, the inception as it were of the 
earthly ministry of Christ that Jesus goes on a fast. And we know that he is fasting for 40 days and nights. And the Bible says, and he was afterward and hungered. And there in the wilderness, driven to the wilderness by the Spirit, void of food, void of water, he is hungry. And here comes Satan, the tempter. And he comes to tempt him. And three different times with his temptations, Jesus makes a very clear response. And it starts with these words. It is written. It is written. To which I would remind every believer under the sound of my voice Regardless of what has been written against you, there's already been something written for you. Regardless of what might have been served to your demise or your destruction, there has been a word that has been written for your benefit and for your blessing. It is written the same thing that is written to exalt the very name that is above every other name also lifts up, strengthens, and solidifies the church of the living God. And our great example is that chief cornerstone himself, the one known in the Old Testament as Jehovah-Jireh, the provider. Jehovah-Jireh becomes manifest in flesh, takes on that human form. Mary, a virgin, births a son, Emmanuel, God with us, and that man, Christ Jesus, tempted of Satan in the garden, or in the wilderness rather, he has to endure and give an answer, which would become our repeated answer, so that when Satan comes against us in times of distress, in times of famine, in times of peril, in times of overwhelming odds, even when your mind doesn't feel it, even when your body doesn't feel it, even when you feel isolated and alone, even when the hunger pangs are gnawing at you, even when you feel so deprived that you cannot get mental clarity, if you can muster up the strength to turn to the enemy of your circumstance and say these words, it is written, then I'm telling you, you can join forces with the greatest power this world has ever known. It is what the Bible would call the forever settled word of God. And I'm going to tell you, the person that knows Scripture better than you is the devil himself. And so when you say it is written, you serve him notice, not written by my might, not written by my power, but in the Spirit of the Lord. I know there's a doctor's report, but it is written. I know there are overwhelming odds, but it is written. I know my baby's been gone for the last 10 years, but it is written. I know that we haven't been getting along lately, but it is written. I know the check hasn't come yet, but it is written. I know the bills are due, but it is written. I know my mind has been overwhelmed, but it is written. I know that you think I've got no hope left, but 
it is written. I, I, I just feel like preaching this for a minute. I, I know that the suit's not there, and I know that the groceries aren't there, and I, I know that the job's not there, and I, I know that there is a tempter at the door that is knocking on the heartbeat of every believer in the room saying, what will you do now if you'll bow? I'll give you this. That was Satan's moment. At the weakness of the flesh of Christ, he said, I'll give you all of this, and that's what the devil does best. He promised promises things that are not his to give. He's promising you joy when he himself has none. He's promising you peace when he himself has none. He's promising you peace when he has none to give. He can't promise you peace. Only the Prince of Peace can give you peace. Only... Come on, only truth manifests can give you truth. Only joy can give you joy. And yet he stands at your heart and knocks and says, if you'll bow, I give you this. But I came on a Sunday in February to tell somebody the way the sun is shining on the outside, you ought to let it shine on the inside of your heart and you ought to open up your mouth and remind the enemy of your soul. It is written. I know the days have been dark but joy cometh in the morning weeping it might endure for the night but I feel like the night is about over I feel like morning is about to be done he's he's going to replace my morning with a little bit of joy and a little bit of dancing I I'm not asking if you've got the good report I'm not asking if the cancer has dried up I'm not asking if everything's worked out according to this world I just want to know do you believe it's been written do you believe it's been forever settled do you still believe he's the one that sits on the throne? Do you still believe that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you could ask or even think? And if you don't know what to ask, and if you don't know what to think, then don't make up your own words. Get into his word and just say it is written. It is written. It is written. November 3rd, 1948, it was the day after the great election in 1948. The Republican Party believed that Dewey was going to win all the stats. All the statisticians, they believed that Dewey was going to run away with it so much so that they printed this very headline. And it made its way on to the news cycle of the Chicago Daily Tribune. Dewey defeats Truman. The problem was he didn't. And what someone in their zeal who had believed some popular, unpopular opinion, they went to press early with the outcome. I'm telling somebody in this room today, the enemy has gone to press early with the outcome of what you're living through. Somebody who's counted you out and doesn't believe in you and thinks that you're down and defeated. They've already run a headline that says you lost, you gave up, you gave in, you walked away, you got offended, you got bitter, you said you couldn't believe God didn't come through for you. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care how many times they printed it when the votes were counted and recounted. They proved one thing, that Truman had won that election. Now that's silly and it's civil and it's a little bit of what we're dealing with here today in our economics and what we're dealing with with our political venue, I understand. But I don't care how many times they printed that paper, it would still be wrong. 
I don't care how many times he's told you you're done, you're not done. I don't care how many times he's told you you're defeated, you're not defeated. I don't care how many times he told you your kid was never going to come back to God and live for God. You need to quit letting the enemy of your party print your press. The devil is still a liar. He's still the father of every lie. It is. The people were starving. They would go away fainting. It was the concern. The people were starving the heartbeat of Christ. We often find the prayer for miraculous in the Gospels is answered by a heart of compassion. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot effectively minister to those we do not have compassion for. We must be compassionate for the people. Why are you listening to me right now? If you're going to sing to people, you better love people. You got to love people because we're singing lyrics to help get people free. Those of you that are writing songs, you better make sure they do more than rhyme. We need to get our, we need to get our words twined with the eternal holy writ. Because we're after seeing people freed and delivered and healed and lives changed. And there wasn't much. There was only a few li- loaves, some fishes. There, there wasn't much to work with. But we know because we know the end of the story, the rest of the story. We know that he's able to take a little and make a lot. So much so that there were baskets full that he would charge the disciples and you can kind of hear the disciples grumbling like why'd you make so much food if you wouldn't have made so much food but we don't ever want to grumble about the abundant blessings of God I'm con- well let's not even get into that. the truth is this they gather it up and the people are enamored people are enamored by miracles people are drawn to miracles And Jesus is a miracle worker. He is a miracle worker. And in John chapter 6, we see the reoccurring story. We see that he is feeding thousands with a few. He is the miracle worker, the provider, the deliverer, the sustainer. But at the miracle, people are enamored. People love magic shows. People love to be entertained. And Jesus, knowing that they were enamored, please watch this. Brother Dugas, they were enamored with the miracle more than the miracle worker. And anytime we love him more for his miracles than for his being, we get into a dangerous place and we start following signs rather than signs following us. Don't you chase miracles? Not at all. We celebrate miracles only by celebrating God. Anytime you hear us talk about a miracle, you'll hear us talk about a miracle the Lord has done. Because we don't chase miracles, we follow him and then miracles follow us. But he knew that they were enamored, so enamored in fact 
with the miracles that he gets himself into this ship and he gets across the sea and goes on forward. This is where most of us stop reading this story because the miracle was done and Jesus has pushed away, but the people aren't done. If he made bread today, I bet he can make bread tomorrow. You gotta forgive me, I just came off a, a ship where it seems like all that people did was waited on time to go to the buffet. One walk around. Come on, anybody that's ever been on a ship, I'm... I'm I'm sorry, I'm not one of those people. I'm not, I'm not real, I'm not as thrilled, but some people just, and don't, whatever, don't judge me on that. If you're one of those people, they were excited just to get back to the, the buffet, and, and they thought, Jesus has made us a bread and fish buffet, and he can do it tomorrow, and, and Jesus knew. In fact, he said, they're going to try to make me some kind of an earthly kingdom. They're, they're going to try to make me something that I'm not destined to be and that I'm not called to be. They're going to try to force me into this, and he gets across the sea, and he gets, he gets in, 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 into a place that they're going to have to seek after him. Please watch this. They come seeking his miracles, not him. It's a, see, nobody's going to run aisles on that. That's fine. Don't need you to. It's all right. John chapter 6, they come, they come seeking his miracles. Now, I will tell you, I have met people in my life that can't live for God if they don't need a miracle. And then wonder why they always need one. It's because every time they don't need one, they backslide. <laughs> come on, we got to love him in the... Good times and the bad times. They come seeking after Christ and they find him. The multitude, his disciples, his multitude of disciples, they, they find him. Now everybody open up your Bible to John chapter 6. This is the, this is the weird, weird part, awkward part. Go to verse 26 in your Bible, John 6 and 26, because they found him. They found him on the other side of the sea in verse 25. And verse 26 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which doth endure unto everlasting life. They are not prepared for what Jesus is about to do. You need to look for that everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. And they said, what sign showest thou? What? They were just there when he turned a few. Show us a sign. Pull something out of your hat. And they prefaced it by saying this. Verse 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. What's the words? As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They were not ready. Jesus says, Moses didn't give you that bread. Don't you wish you could have been there and could have understood 
when he looked at them and said, don't give Moses credit for that. My father put that bread there. Listen, now listen, you can't, you gotta, you, this, is, this, is, this is work here. You gotta try to read this not knowing the end of the story, okay? Moses didn't give you that bread from heaven, but my father gave you the true bread. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And us on this side, we like it. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They weren't ready. He said, I'm the bread. Now listen, everybody in this room's like, well, yeah, pastor, he was the bread of life. Imagine being there, living through that moment, and a person says to you, I'm bread. No, you're crazy. And it gets worse. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. And that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out for I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me. They're standing there looking at him, looking at each other and they start murmuring. You know what murmuring is, right? We're like you don't talk to the person but you're talking about the person. I thought he was going to do the fish thing. I didn't even want to come across the sea. You told me that if we came across the sea, I was still stuffed from yesterday. I thought that if we would just, I didn't even want to come to your church. I thought it'd be weird, and it is weird. I mean, he's talking. I don't know who's he talking to. I don't even know who he's talking to right now. The Jews murmured at him, and he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Here they go. Here's why they're bothered. Isn't, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his mom and his dad. Anytime Jesus becomes too familiar, there's a difference between knowing him and knowing about him. And they thought because they knew his parents, they knew him. He saith, I cometh down from heaven. And watch this. He said, murmur not amongst yourselves. I don't know if he said it like that, but I hope he did. <laughs> no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written. It's written in the prophets. Sometimes you don't only have to tell that to the devil. You have to tell it to non-believers. Sometimes well-meaning folks that call themselves believers come with a word of. Can I preach it like I feel it? People that are well-meaning that love their tradition more than. 
These are Jews that believe in their tradition. They even believe in the miracle that just happened. The problem is they believe in the miracle more than the miracle worker. And anytime you believe in the miracle more than you believe in the miracle worker, you set yourself up for correction. And they said it was written in the prophets and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. I, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is not a church growth seminar. <laughs> if he's trying to build a good church, young preachers, this is not the best to grow a church. Your fathers ate manna. They're dead. Okay, it was a long time ago. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. <laughs> what Jesus is doing is he's starting to decipher between the people who only want temporal blessings and the people who want eternal. And I'm telling you, church... There's always a divide between people who just want to have a temporal party and who want to be ready for eternity. There's always going to be a divide. And Christ is establishing a divide here among the people. And it is through an awkward message. I'm the living bread which comes down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. What? Which I will give the word. Give the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? To which I would tell you, it's a good question. You would have asked it. Parents in the room would have grabbed your kids. What kind of a cult? But he's trying to bring them out. Of the earthly thinking. We know that he is leading. And he is beginning to develop what would become known as the table. The bread. And the cup. Whoever eats of my flesh. And whoever drinks of my blood. We're not talking about the physical flesh of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about the physical blood of Jesus Christ. He wasn't saying, cut off a piece of my body. He was talking about being identified with me. Unless you consume the identity of who I am and recognize the reality of what my blood has come to do, you can't really have a part of me. And it's here during, watch this moment of confusion, this moment of consternation that disciples after disciple begins to pull away from him because they were all about the miracles but they weren't all about the man and they were all about the moment but they weren't all about the eternal they were as long as you keep doing some magic tricks we'll follow you as long as you keep with the temporal, we'll follow you. But the moment you take this from an earthly conversation to an eternal covenant conversation it's going to get beyond our understanding and covenants where we're going to turn our backs and we're going to walk away. And it's this moment where he talks about partaking of his flesh and partaking of his blood that they could not wrap their minds around it and they begin to turn. They called themselves disciples. But it, watch this. It was not offense. It was not sickness. It was not betrayal. It was the very words of Christ which 
It was the very words of Christ which drove them away. And any time that the word of God is what drives you away, you're not a disciple at all. Now that's a little heavy, but it's real. Anytime it's the word of God that offends you. Say, Pastor, don't offend me. I don't want to offend anybody. But if the word of God offends you, the Bible says you've got to repent and you've got to get your heart right and you've got to say, Lord, help me to get into alignment with your word. One after another, the disciples started to walk away. And how many know that when some started walking away, it made it easier for the others? I guess he's not doing the multiply thing today. I I guess he's not pulling any rabbits out of hats today. Let's go. He's talking about this weird stuff of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the headlines ran, mass exodus of the disciples. And he turns to the 12 and he looks at the 12 and he asks them a question. It's a very sobering question. Are you going to leave me also? Now that we're getting where the rubber really meets the road or where humanity and divinity really come together and you start to understand this is more than about healing eyes and ears and multiplying bread and fish. Are you going to walk away? And Peter asks a question that the Holy Ghost has put me on assignment to come preach to this body today. Who are we going to go to? To whom are are we going to turn to? There's no other answer but you. I could search the world all over and not find anyone like you. You've got the words of eternal life. I might find someone that's less offensive. I might find somebody that the world believes in. I might find some ideology that the world is okay with, but at the end of the day, you're the only one that's got the eternal life that I'm looking for and that I'm longing for and that I'm needing for. I've come to preach to somebody in this room today It might not be popular, but it's still right. There's no book like this book. There's no word like this word. And there is no God like our God. I know they've tried to form gods with hands. And they've tried to make gods out of all kinds of customs and all religions that have been established. But at the end of the day, I want the devil to know we know who we are. We are followers of the Most High God. And even if those that have called themselves disciples want to turn and walk away when the going gets tough and the preaching gets real I want him to know we're still going to be with you we're still going to be following you we're still going to be believing I know it's not an easy thing in 2024 for some to get up behind a pulpit and say his word is still true and the devil is still a liar and what's You've heard me preach it before. This is not an easy thing to preach. And I know the fights that I have to endure for saying things like this, but here we go. Our God is still one Lord. There is still one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's still forever settled in heaven. There's still only one way to get to heaven. You gotta repent of your sins. You gotta be buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you gotta receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you got to become a witness of Jesus. And when others walk away, you got to stay. When others walk away, you got to stay. 
Come on, where are the real disciples that say, even if my family would leave him, I'm not leaving him. Even if Judas gives him up, I'm not walking away from him. Even if the world gives after me, I'm not going to give up on him. I'm going to follow him. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we turn? Where would I go? I found out in him is life, and in him is Come on, I'm preaching to some people. You tried to find joy somewhere else. You tried to find it in a bottle or a pill. You tried to find it somewhere else. But you're here on a Sunday morning saying, where would I go? Come on, where are the elders that used to sing it? Where would I go but to the Lord? Where would I go but to the Lord? I need a little comfort for my soul. I found I can find him on a Monday. I can find him on a Tuesday. I can find him on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. Where would I go? When the doctors had a bad report, he had a good one. When the lawyer had a negative report, he had a... Where would we go? Throw your hands towards heaven. In this room, I got to land this plane. He had it on the. Where would I go? Where would I? Stand with me. I'm going to close. I'm going to close. He had it on the. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. It's why in April and again in September, we'll gather in this house and we'll partake of communion. We don't do it every week. Some people do. I'm not taking a shot at that, and you shouldn't either. But you shouldn't take shots at us because we only do it a couple times a year. As oft as you do, do in remembrance. But I will tell you that although we partake of some unleavened bread and we drink of that pure wine, that pure juice, and we partake of that of his body. You have the ability every day you have what he fought Satan with. It was Peter that said those words. To whom Shall we go? Say, wait a minute, pastor. But didn't Peter walk away? He did. But Brother Massengale, when Peter walked away, read the story through this lens. He didn't know where to go. He was lost. Just like prodigals that leave the church and try to be the world and don't fit in with the world. Somebody watching this online today, you know you don't even fit in the world and yet you don't feel like you fit in with the church. You're caught between two worlds because what you said one time in an altar long ago, to whom shall we go, still resonates in your spirit. Wearing stuff and don't look right. Talking stuff and don't sound right. Drinking and don't know how. Tell the truth. Dressed up, look silly as can be. Oh, that's mean. It's, no, it's not. It's because you're trying to, you don't, there's nowhere for you to go. Um, listen to me. 
after Jesus. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. To whom? Lincoln, there's nowhere to go. I couldn't preach this so passionately if I hadn't talked to prodigals that have been gone for years that said, I've wandered aimlessly. I talked to a prodigal of 30 years on the phone the other day. They've wandered. Don't fit here. Don't fit here. The only place they ever fit was in the place that made the world and even some disciples so uncomfortable as they were talking about eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood and people got weird and they started looking around the crowd and the worst thing you can do is judge your opinion of Christ on the opinion of wayward people. Because when the eating of his flesh and the drinking of his blood got odd for the crowd, they said, well, I don't really follow him. I followed them to him, so I guess I'll follow them away from him. That's why you got to be careful that you don't just follow your family to church because if things go wrong, you'll follow them away. God, what is it? I ask the Lord, what is it? What is it this Sunday? You know how sacred I hold this. What is it you want me to deliver? to the people if I'm to be judged from you. What is it that you want me to preach to the body? What is it you want them to hear? And the Lord thundered into my spirit. Tell them to pick between earth and eternity. 